Let me remind you uh, of the little passage that we've been looking at all term in the evenings, uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, um, and the verses go like this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Well, I have to start with a confession. Um, I had one of those uh, wonderful weeks where you, you start the week by going on uh, retreat for a couple of days. Um, that's what, you know, vicars do. Um, we just kind of need to go and slow down somewhere. Uh, and this was with the guys who I was at college with. Um, you need to know that I've been meeting with them since I left college in 2003. Uh, there were five of us, now we're four. Only two of us in the room because one was sick and one started a church in Guatemala. So he joined us for four hours via FaceTime. Anyway, we had a great time and, you know, accountability and telling, catching up with what's going on and praying for uh, the Holy Spirit to come and rest upon us and a really good evening meal. Um, and it's amazing, you know, there's a lag on FaceTime uh, when you're talking to someone, but not with the Holy Spirit, even if they're in Guatemala. It's amazing, isn't it? I don't know how that works, but anyway. Um, anyway, on the way back, I'm having lunch in McDonald's by myself. That's not the confession. I don't feel bad about that bit. But I'm okay with that. It doesn't happen very often. Um, and this set of four school kids came and sat next to me. One lad, his girlfriend, and two other girls. And I mean, we were literally this far apart. And over the course of about 15 minutes, their conversation, led by him, kind of just charged off the pier. And, and he, he took them to a really horrible place including his girlfriend and the other two girls. And quite frankly, it was disgusting. I, I, for the first five minutes, I was like, just eat your dinner. Just. And then for the next five minutes, I was like, no, I can't say anything, because when I get home and fess up, then Meg will kill me. Um, and then for the next five minutes, I was like, I have to say something, but I don't know where to start. And then another whole set of stuff was just that they were just and I was like no <laughs> and I lost the plot I, I absolutely pummeled him verbally in front of his girlfriend and in front of the other two girls and basically said get a life become a proper man sort yourself out you're not worthy of her and stop insulting them um, and they left <laughs> and then I thought of all the other ways that I could have handled it gracefully and gently and I thought of my sister who would have you know 
would have found out what that... No, actually, given the nature of the conversation, she would have probably lamped them all. Um, but I did, I did confess my sinfulness in it, because um, I lost the plot, and I did come home and fess up to Meg, and she was gracious with me, <laughs> weren't you? Mostly, but boiling inside. What has my husband done? Oh, no. You know, sometimes this happens. Sometimes it happens for good reasons, with good results. Sometimes it happens for good reasons, with bad results. And so, today, I'm preaching on gentleness. Oh, the irony. You see, we've come to the end of this little, this little session on the fruit of the Spirit. And the words for me tonight are gentleness and self-control. And I lasted 15 minutes. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says, In your anger do not sin. In the Old Testament it says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The anger that I expressed in itself was not wrong. I don't know whether I sinned in it, but I know that I've held it before God and said, If I did... I'm sorry. And maybe I did. Who, who knows? In your anger, do not sin. There is, um, there is something about talking about gentleness and about self-control which I just have a little bit of an aversion to in kind of, in Christian life because I, I think too easily we can equate this stuff with, um, we're supposed to be nice. And I'm pretty sure that God is not calling us to be nice. Let me read to you um, a little bit, which, if you like, is the pre-runner to uh, Jesus entering Jerusalem. So it's him kind of saying, I'm coming. And uh, it goes like this. The Pharisees, um, this is from Luke 13, uh, verse 31. Um, Jesus expressing his sorrow for Jerusalem. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. And I love Jesus' response. He replied, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. There are occasions in the New Testament where Jesus is so direct and so rude and we cannot possibly equate him with being nice. Go tell that fox. I wonder what he would say to some people today. Who knows? I'm not going to name any of them. 
As we have been looking at these things about gentleness and patience and kindness and goodness, what we've not done is we've not looked at any of the preceding verses. We've quite, in, in the passages that I've put in, I, I've quite deliberately ignored all of them. And I just want you to go back and open up the Bible and just cast your eyes back over the previous chapter. Beginning of chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. You were running a good race, verse 7. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And then it goes on, verse 16, to talk about the sinful nature, to talk about what life is like in the world. Don't let anyone persuade you that because you've been forgiven in Jesus, you can do whatever you like and no rules apply any longer. The trajectory of Scripture of the New Testament following the Old Testament is that Jesus calls us to greater and greater holiness, not less. What's different is the consequences from when we've messed up. Because he's forgiven us. How good is that? We are completely free. But we're still supposed to use our freedom to serve him and to serve others and be a blessing to the world rather than serve our own flesh. Second confession. Um, only because this has got a, a running link in it. Verse 7, so I just feel it's okay for me to talk about this. You were running a good race and obviously the practical outworking of that is that I'm running the London Marathon in a month's time and I'd really love you to sponsor me. I, that's from the Bible, it's talking about running. So it's okay for me to... Uh, is it okay? Oh, well... The link's in the email news sheet and on the news sheet. Just sponsor me. It's on the website as well. It'd be great. It's for Church Urban Fund. They're a great charity. And um, my legs hurt, so please sponsor me. Um, but that actually wasn't the point. The point was another confession. You see, last year I, I, I gave myself an injury at the beginning of the year because I ran a, a race that was too long and it hurt. And I, you know, I spent the beginning of 2007 kind of struggling through and then I got to the middle of 2007 and my Achilles kind of was still a bit sore. So I, I've, got to, I've just got to stop running for a bit. I've got to take it easy. But I made one crucial mistake. I kept eating the same number of metaphorical pies. But with the exercise quotient being stood down here and the pie quotient being kind of still up here. Which, you know, meant that now I've come back to the marathon training at the beginning of 2000 and I'm just, you know, I'm carrying a little bit more. Just a sort of little extra rucksack that's been kind of hidden, tucked away everywhere so you can't see it. But, you know, it just means I'm going to be a bit slower. I find that quite difficult to say no. You know, if there's a big bowl of crisps there, 
You saw me at tea time, didn't you? Did you Did you see that packet of crisps? Who had most of them? Yeah, I was on it. I was on it before you could even get there. Supper time. Whichever one. The meal that we had just before you came out. Four o'clock. I think we've got distracted. Our sinful nature is really strong. That desire to go our own way, to do the thing that we want to do, rather than the way that God is calling us to go. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. But then he goes on to talk about the fact that we've been crucified. Earlier in the passage he talks about being, I says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And as I've been thinking about how we get to some of these things, particularly gentleness and self-control, I think it comes down to one thing that unlocks both of the others. And it's to do with slowing down. It's to do with travelling more slowly through life. Now, you may or may not have worked out by my kind of demeanour that silent retreats, you know, days on end of being in silence is not something I find easy. I'm sorry for those of you that really love that. Um, It is a good thing, but I find that quite difficult. But that doesn't mean that I'm excluded from slowing down. And I, and I want to nuance it as well because I think sometimes when we talk about these kind of slightly high and mighty and holy things of, you know, of retreating and slowing down and kind of, and, and resting in God, you know, that kind of means that as Christians we've kind of got to stay on the sofa and not move until God has spoken, we're completely rested and everything is resolved and peaceful. You know? I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about an internal pace. It's the internal pace that so many things in our current world are actively trying to draw us out of. You know, the the need to constantly check in on social media. The need to constantly check in with emails to see what everyone else is up to to have that little dopamine fix that kind of goes bing everything's fine and happy when actually God's calling us to live differently you know it's Palm Sunday and so I think it'd be great to just look at this key moment in Jesus' life as he enters Jerusalem and see how he lived differently. How he was going at a different pace 
not the pace that everyone else was expecting him to go. Zechariah verse, chapter 9, verse 9. The Lord, however, uh, pardon me, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. He is just and having salvation, lowly or gentle and riding on a donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. How, how is it that, that Jesus is able to ride a colt into Jerusalem? A colt is a, a horse or a donkey that has not yet reached maturity. And so it's not been broken in. This is a wild Donkey. This is a wild man. The crowds are going crazy. They would welcome everyone into Jerusalem at that time with shouts. And yet Jesus, with everyone going crazy around him, is able to ride this colt into Jerusalem. What is it? about him. One thing really struck me, this is, the, the triumphal entry is one of my favorite passages to speak, to speak on. I think because it was the, it was the first set of passages that I ever got to kind of teach on in a non-preaching environment. So I was doing my curacy in Canterbury and we had to do, um, we were on a kind of um, discipleship year sort of exchange. So we had a whole bunch of people that were being trained up and there was a bunch of people in Sheffield and Cheltenham and all over. And, and, the, and the teams that were leading it would kind of do a sort of teaching exchange. So for some stupid reason, I was driving to Sheffield in order to teach on this passage. Um, and so I arrived after a five-hour journey, about an hour and a half late, um, and they just, you know, they were on a discipleship year, so they just worshipped for an hour and a half. It's fine. They just carry on. And I kind of arrived in late to then do this teaching workshop on this passage. You know, and it was like, one of the things I love about it is it comes alive. It's, it's dramatic. But every single year I teach on this passage. And what I love about it is that I so often find things that are new. And the new thing that I've found this year is that Jesus gets interrupted just as he's coming in. In Luke's version, um, Luke chapter 19, verse 39, as they're coming in, there's there's this shouting going on and Jesus is on this cult. The Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus responds, If they kept quiet, the stones would cry out. And I I was intrigued by that. And it got me to go back to Psalm 118, which is the bit that everyone is shouting about. This is the bit where the blessed is the king who comes. This is where the Hosanna comes from. Psalm 119. 
If you get stuck, no, sorry, Psalm 118. What am I talking about? 119 is the long one. So verse 25 is the Lord save us. It's the Hosanna verse. Verse 26 is the blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But then verse 22 that comes just before it, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone or the capstone. So the Pharisees tell Jesus, get your disciples to calm down. (laughs) And Jesus says, even if they didn't speak out, these stones would cry out. Where is he? He's just about to come into Jerusalem. These stones would cry out. These stones of the temple would cry out because the cornerstone is coming. The cornerstone is coming. I said that I would tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days. That's what I'm coming to do. Even these stones want me to come. But what struck me about all of this is that everyone else has got one agenda. They've got something else that they want. Is he going to defeat the Romans? Is he going to be king? All of these things. But Jesus has got another agenda. He's got the agenda of the Father. He knows exactly why he's coming to Jerusalem. He knows that the shouts for him to be king will soon be turned over to be crucified. He's got another agenda. He's walking in step with something different. So as we think about gentleness and self-control... It struck me that Paul's so right. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And this is not, you know, we're all at different stages of life, aren't we? You know, some of you are, some of you are tired, so you've got all the time in the world and and nothing's busy, you're not rushing around doing things, you know, so it's easy for you. I am being sarcastic. Just checking in. (laughs) Yeah, before you get me on the door. You know, some of you got kids at home and and frankly you don't get a minute to yourself. Some of you got too much time to yourselves and you're kind of thinking. Some of you have got jobs the way you've just got to be so on it. You've got to get those emails back and you've got to get through the tasks and you've got to write the project management thing and you've got to get the next consultancy thing off and you're crazy busy. Some of you have got pressure of applications or exams or whatever it might be or huge things that you're carrying. And you know, when I talk about slowing down, I don't mean not doing those things. I'm not talking about you lying on a holy sofa until you've reached utter holiness and perfection. I'm talking about being like Jesus, having something else going on inside. 
How does that happen? I think the first thing that needs to happen is is regularly crucifying the flesh. Not a phrase we could use in an all-age service. Um, we're talking metaphors, like not rather than you know anything else. It's about saying, look, this is not about what I want. I am wholly given over to what you want. You've died on the cross for me so that I don't have to. So I surrender myself completely to you. Living a surrendered life as people that belong to him. And I do think that means that we need to practice slowing down. The reason we need to practice is so that when we need to be gentle and we need to be self-controlled, we've already done the workout so that we can respond well in that moment. You know, I was talking with my eldest son this week about those moments where we kind of lose the plot slightly. You know, one of them for me is if I've just woken up, I'm, 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 I'm sometimes quite grumpy. Just a little bit. No, I, there's some nudging going on. I wouldn't tell you which direction. <laughs> you know, I, I, and I need to practice. I need to actually spend more time with Jesus so that in those other times I can respond really well. Slowing down so that I can be gentle. What's it like to be in step with the Holy Spirit? I think it's a little bit like being attached with an elastic band. You know, if you, if you go too far ahead, the band gets tight and things get stressful. If he goes too far ahead and you're kind of slacking off doing something else, you missed it, it's going to get stressful because you're then doing stuff in your own strength. But it is actually possible, even when you're moving through the day incredibly fast, to keep in step with the Spirit. It's about something else going on inside. And for some of you, you might need to go on a three-day retreat with Liz or with Helen or I don't know, with any of the other folks who kind of, who are really passionate about this kind of stuff or, or Claire from, um, is Claire here this evening? She's been coming all day. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of folks, you might need to do that so that you know what it's like. But the important bit is actually, is not the lying on the sofa, is carrying this through in our day to day. You know, what I've found to be true is this, is the busier I am, the slower I need to go. The busier, you know, the more I've got on, the slower I need to go. And by that I don't mean that I end up doing less. I'm talking about slowing right down inside. 
you know, when I do that, what I become aware of is that suddenly the things that hit me during the day, the things that go wrong, the places where I might get cross, actually I respond well because I'm walking in step with the Holy Spirit. One last thing. When Jesus comes into Jerusalem and the people shout Hosanna, they shout, save us. They shout, save us and salvation is here. It's right here, right now. What they do is they, they take their coats, their cloaks, and they lay them down in front of Jesus. This is a way of saying the person who's coming in is the king. We are welcoming you as king. We literally lay our things down in front of you. We surrender it all to you. You know, following, following Jesus is so, so easy. It's so easy and so simple. All you have to do is give up everything so that just the other side of the cross, he gives you even more back. so easy yet sometimes that step is the most difficult of all the one where we have to let go of every single thing of the stuff we have the stuff that we want to have the things that we want to do and say all for you Jesus And as we step into his way of doing things, carrying nothing, (laughs) he gives us everything in return and we become co-heirs with him. Friends. (laughs) No longer servants, but friends. Children of the Most High God. So who wouldn't want to live a crucified life where you give it all up for the king? You know, I, I just want you to take a moment before Megan and the band come back up. And maybe, maybe tonight is just, just the... That opportunity to lay everything down again. To choose to move at His pace in step with the Spirit. You know, you can rush through. You can go busying yourself, exhausting yourself,
through life or you can go in step with him.